for seeds and bringing out growth and harvest. Um, um, help me to not be in the way of that, uh, but just to let you work in Christ's name. Amen. Um, years ago, my wife and I went hiking, um, and uh, it was it was something I had wanted to do for a while. I was really looking forward to uh, to doing this hike with my wife. We went to this place in uh, in Indiana. I can't remember if it was south of Indianapolis or not. It was the Charles M. Dean Wilderness uh, Preserve, and it was it was a river and kind of mountainous um, or hills. I guess there are no mountains in Indiana. There are hills. Um, and the hills were all this sort of, um, I guess, sandstone or shale or something. You'd step on them and they'd break. You know, and, and so there's all this water, and it hadn't rained in a while. Right? It was very dry that year. And, and it's important to the story here. Like, um, um, we actually started out very well. We, we drove to the top of the, the topography, like the highest point, and we hiked down. And, and away from the regular camping area because we thought, well, let's see if we can find a spot that's isolated. And, and we found a spot, like, without even using the map or the compass or anything. I, I had a map, and I, I had a compass, and I'll acknowledge when I bought a compass, I bought a cheap compass. Okay? It was a cheap compass, but it was the kind you wear around your neck, and it had places for matches and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, it had a whistle. I don't know what it w- the whistle's for, but, you know, in case we're going to do calisthenics, I guess. Um, so we, we camped the first night on the edge of this river. It was beautiful. Like, like we, we fished and we ate catfish out of the river and we, we um, you know, it, it was quiet and, and amazing. I mean, it was really idyllic. And, and so then the next morning we, we fished and ate more fish and then we packed up our stuff and um, started hiking. And we, we kind of had sort of figured out where we were on the map, probably. And, and it turns out that was maybe not right. Um, because we, we hiked and we hiked and we hiked and we hiked. And, and the map never matched the river. Like, no matter what we did, like with the compass and orienting it and everything else, like we, we just could not make the map fit the land. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. I felt like I maybe had bought the wrong map. Um, which I did not. I might be slow sometimes, but not quite that slow. Um, and, and so we hiked and we hiked and we hiked, and we had made a decision as a part of this. Instead of packing, you know, like a 50-gallon jug of water for our several days out, we had a, we had a jug and we had iodine pills. You know, with, with a river, a moving source of water, you could go out to the middle and fill up your jug and drop the pills in and drink it. And it was very nice the first day. Um, however, the second day we discovered that the longer that we hiked and the thirstier we got, um, with it having not rained, the water was low. And in order to get to the water, you had to walk over the rocks that were normally the shore, and you stepped into the, the mud that went instantly up to your knees. And what happens in water when you step in mud? It gets cloudy very quickly. And, and I realized we kind of like we're, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because you couldn't go out far enough to get the water clear. And so no matter what, your water was just mud. And, and so we're hiking all day, and we didn't have any water because we couldn't get clean water out of the river. Um, and, and it, I mean, this is the, this is the, the, the big breaking point because um, we can't find the campsite we had planned on staying at because the map doesn't match the river, um, and we don't have any water. 
and we're hiking up and down this ridge trying to get oriented. And as you're hiking up and down the ridge, this rock that's really easily broken, like, makes it even harder because it breaks away and you fall and slide. It's bad. And after, I'm going to say about five hours of walking. Does that sound right, honey? It seemed like longer. Um, We ran into some people who were fishing. They were in hip waders. They were out in the middle of the river, and they were fishing. And and I asked them, I'm like, hey, can I get a hand here? I'm I'm lost. My map doesn't match the river. And the guy said, oh, that's because the water's low. It doesn't match the maps anymore. Like, it's changed. Nothing's going to look like that. And I'm like, well, which way is north? And the guy pointed, and I pulled out my compass, and my compass was wrong. It was about 25 degrees off, because apparently whoever put the label on in that factory in China didn't put the label on right. And so no matter what we did, (laughs) we couldn't make the map match the river because the map was wrong and the compass was wrong. (laughs) Like, and everything was wrong. And so we're lost wandering around and we're parched, just absolutely like, like unbelievably thirsty. And I said, you know what, honey, there's a road that runs right here. No way we're going to miss it. We're just going to go that way. You know, through the brush, whatever we have to do, we're going to go that way and we're going to find it. And, you know, we hiked and hiked and hiked and found a trail and looked and said, well, this trail sort of goes in the direction of the road. Let's go this way. And we kind of wander around. And by this point, it's late in the day and we haven't had a drink of water in, I don't know, maybe 10 hours. And I'm carrying both the packs now. And we're arguing, which I know it's hard to imagine my wife and I are arguing, but you make us thirsty and tired and lost long enough. And, and, and sometimes we don't get along. And we ran into this couple who were walking into the wilderness, and they were happy. That's how you knew they were just getting there. <laughs> um, and we talked to them, and I was like, I, 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 you know, we stopped, and we just sat down and talked to these folks for a little while. And I, I said, oh, yeah, you know, we had trouble because, you know, couldn't get water out of the river. We, we have a case of water in the car. We're hiking back to the car to get water. And the guy reaches into his backpack, and he pulls out bottle of water but it was a big one and it was frozen solid right i mean just frozen solid and just like it was nothing and i mean the guy could have i don't know it was one of the prettiest things i've seen ever have y'all ever been there where you're just so beat and so tired and so frustrated and somebody just gives you that this cold ice water except it was ice not water and you know for the rest of the time we were hiking which was several more hours we were breaking this thing open every once in a while and just kind of like trying to suck out the little bit of water that melted away. And it was, it was possibly the best tasting water I've ever had, right? I mean, it's a bottle of water you buy for what, two bucks? Maybe two fifty, I guess if it's in a convenience store, 7-Eleven, it's probably eight. Um, but you know, this, this, this just cheap plastic bottle of water was amazing. It was exactly what we needed. And we stopped arguing quite as much. Eventually we, Managed to apologize. I probably apologized. I bought the compass. Um, the reason I'm starting with this story is because we live in a we live in a place that's relatively dry, right? Um, but very few of us ever have a point in time where we're we're without water. I mean, like I don't. Nobody dies of thirst, right? I mean, it's pretty uncommon. We we run. I mean, you can run the water while you're brushing your teeth and waste two gallons right there and it doesn't even matter right like it's just water it costs you know two cents a gallon or whatever and you know it's nothing um but as we kind of dive in our story this week this is from john chapter four we're continuing with the book of john um 
we're, we're talking about a land. This takes place in a land that was desert. And you could reasonably just die from not having water, right? Water was a huge deal. Um, and in fact, the place where this story takes place, there are streams and fountains like, like within walking distance. I mean, it's not a short walk, but um, it was so dangerous to be without water that there's a well there that Jacob dug. It's a hundred feet deep and, you know, it still exists. It's a hundred foot well, um, you know, a very deep well. Um, and he went through all that effort because it's better than risking the potential of not being able to make it to that stream because you could die. Um, and so like, as we dive into this, this is the desert. It's a time and place when, when, um, when it was very different, no plumbing, no nothing. And so water is a very powerful symbol in that culture. Um, in the previous chapter, and this is important, um, Jesus met Nicodemus in the beginning of chapter 3. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and like sort of a leader of the Jewish community and a member of the Sanhedrin and all that. And they had this conversation about being born again. And Nicodemus, despite being very well-read and very learned and sort of like one of the you know scholars of the community at that point, I mean, one of the most intelligent people in town, um, Nicodemus didn't understand a word Jesus talked about, missed all of it, right? And Jesus kind of finally at a point where he's like, really, you're their teacher? Come on, you know, how are you not getting this? Um, but one of the things he talks about is water, right? And so um, this water symbol is all throughout this chapter, um, and it's about to come up again. So we have Nicodemus who is well-read, well-learned, the whole nine yards. Jesus you know, has this whole thing with John the Baptist, um, and then he decides to move on. Um, but water is a recurring symbol in, in, um, in the, you know, in the book of John. He uses it quite a bit. Um, and as we dive into John 4.1, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Um, so real quick, in the previous chapter, or right before this, we had where Jesus and John are both doing ministry. Jesus' ministry is go- growing, and there's a potential for argument. In fact, people start arguing and discussing, well, why is he bigger? John baptized his, you know, Jesus. How can Jesus be doing more than us? And there's the potential for strife there. And you know, so Jesus says, oh, wait a minute, the Pharisees know we need to move because we're not going to have a fight, Right? Jesus pulls up his stakes and moves on because probably what was going to happen was the Pharisees, and we see where they do this sort of politicking throughout the Bible, like they would have moved in and they would have gotten people arguing and they would have tried to throw like a, like a wrench in the works. And so Jesus pulls up stakes and moves, and in order to get where he's going, he's got to pass through Samaria. Now, in our culture, not a big deal, right? Um, they're doing a three-day walk, which could be a five-day walk if they didn't walk through Samaria. Most folks opted to walk through Samaria, right? The Samaritans, or Samaria, was the northern kingdom of Israel. At one point in time, Israel was like one whole, and then there's a point in time where they have a bit of a disagreement over taxes, and they split in half, and the guys in the north, like, sort of form their own Jewish faith, which isn't really Jewish, right? It's kind of Jewish. And the Jews in the south, they have the temple, and they sort of begin to hate their neighbors, They do not like the Samaritans. The Samaritans at the time were so hated by Jews that if you walked through Samaria, when you got to the other side, you were supposed to kick your feet against the rocks and make sure you get all the dust off. So you didn't actually, like, accidentally bring some of the dirt from Samaria into your hometown. Um, 
when scholars would discuss who is your neighbor, right? Because that love your neighbor as yourself is in the Old Testament. And the rabbis would sit around and they'd say, all right, well, who's your neighbor? Um, the most conservative, like Jewish scholars, would say, well, the Pharisees would say, well, other Jews. These are our neighbors. Um, the most liberal Jewish scholars would say, like, maybe Romans might be neighbors. No one, no one considered Samaritans neighbors. Um, no one at all. They despised them. They would call them dogs, um, like was a common phrase to refer to Samaritans. Very disliked. Um, and so they're passing through Samaria because they had to pretty much, or they had a longer walk. Um, and so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he, had, or as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is noon. Noon in the desert is hot, right? And so they've been walking all day. It is hot. They stop at the well. The disciples go into town to find food, right? And food would have to be very specific things. You couldn't just eat things in Samaria, I, I was reading about this this week. You couldn't just take food because, like, it would make you unclean because Samaritans were unclean, right? Um, and so th- they could eat dried fruit, food, like dried, I don't know, plums, I guess, um, or whatever, you know, dried figs. You could eat that stuff because it was less likely to make you unclean. But you had to be really careful, and Jews were generally on their guard. Some Jews just wouldn't eat in Samaria. Said, nope, we're not eating here. We're <laughs> It's like driving through Browning. We're not eating here. Um I'm sorry, I should not have said that. I, that, was, that was not. Um, <laughs> so, so the sixth hour, he's at the well. He's thirsty. His disciples are all off, like, getting stuff to eat. And um, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For, this, for his disciples had gone, to buy, or gone into the city to buy food. Now, so this woman comes in the middle of the day, and a lot of folks know this already. I'm going to fill you in if you're new, right, or if, like you're not familiar with this story. Um, nobody in their right mind goes out at the hottest time of the day to get water. Does that make sense? I mean, it's hot, and you're carrying stuff. Nobody wants to haul. I mean, a gallon of water is about 10 pounds, so you pull your five-gallon bucket of water out of there, and you get to haul your 50-pound you know, bucket of water home. Most people stayed home in the middle of the day unless they absolutely had to work. Um, it was really unusual for people to go out in the middle of the day. Women, who would generally it was their job to draw water, would go out in groups early in the morning, and that would be your social time, right? It would be like coffee. They have coffee in town every, every day, I think. You know, where they gather and they talk and they visit and all that. I mean, like, this would be the time they would do that. Um, but this woman's out in the middle of the day. The reason she would be out in the middle of the day is she doesn't want to see anybody else because, as we learn in a little bit, she's kind of a woman of very bad reputation, right? Um, it's a small town. Every town in that period was kind of a small town. And so everybody knew her business, Right? Um, everybody talked about her, and she would rather not show up with everyone else and deal with the stares and deal with the judgment and deal with all the condescension and all the nasty issues. I'm going to avoid this. And so she goes in the middle of the day, and she just asks her, well, give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So not only did Jewish people not deal with Samaritans because they hate them, right? And, I mean, hate is really the word. Um, They consider them to be half-breeds. I'm not making that up. Like, Jewish, 
like bloodlines were really pure and they made a big deal out of it. Samaritans were people who had intermarried and that was not okay. They were people who like didn't really understand who God was because they couldn't go to the temple. They rejected most of the Old Testament. The only part of the Bible they used were those first five books, right? The ones that Moses penned. Um, and, and so the Jews just, they stayed away from them. Nothing to do with them. Even worse, about a year or two after this, or uh, excuse me, several years after Jesus' life, um, the Jewish leaders gathered up and they decided that Samaritan women were unclean from birth. Like there are certain times of the month that women are considered unclean according to the Jewish faith. Um, if you don't understand that, kids, ask your mom when you get home. Um, but like, like the Jewish people disliked Samaritans so much that they said from birth, um, Jewish women are constantly on their period, so don't go near them. <laughs> I, it, it's, that's what they said. I mean, it was part of the, the ecclesiastical law, nothing to do with them. And so for Jesus to ask this lady for water is a huge deal because, like, for even to touch the water makes it unclean and he couldn't drink it. However, one of the things we learn about Jesus, Jesus is so holy and so pure, unholy things do not make him dirty. It's like diving into the mud, coming out, and the mud being clean suddenly. Right? Like, Jesus is that clean. But this woman looks at him and she knows, you don't talk to me, you don't ask me for things, you don't eat things that I prepare, you nothing to do with me. And so Jesus asks, give me some water. She says, what? Who are you? You guys look down on us, you talk bad about us. You know, what do you want from me? Jesus answered her, if you knew who I was, or if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus starts in on something that she is not going to get, okay? Um, He's about to talk way over her head, Um, and way over our head, because most of us aren't Jewish people, like from the first century, right? Anyone here a first century Jew? Ross, you're almost old enough, right? (laughs) Um, He says, if you knew the gift of God, the gift of God was a reference to the Bible, to the Old Testament specifically, to the scriptures. It was something that you would see over and over again in the Jewish literature. The gift of God is the Torah, right? So that, like, if you knew your scripture, if you knew anything about the scriptures, and you knew who it is that was asking you, so Jesus is tipping his hand. He's saying, I'm different. And I'm different, but you don't know I'm different because you don't know God's word. You don't know, you know, and she, she's a Samaritan woman. She's probably fairly ignorant. I mean, you know, women didn't get education like the same way men did. Um, and beyond that, like, this is a woman who's kind of a moral outcast, so it's not like she's going to show up to weekly religious teaching. She probably would have been shown the door or not allowed in. Um, and even then, the, the Samaritan communities kind of practiced folk religion, right? Like, they had sort of a variation of Christianity that wasn't quite Christianity, or not that a variation of the Jewish faith that wasn't quite the Jewish faith, right? And it's going to play into the conversation. She has no idea what he's talking about. He says, hey, if you knew, if you knew, and she doesn't. He says, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, living water, we got a couple references. This is a loaded term, and it, in the immediate, concrete version, living water would refer to water coming out of a stream, right? It's like when Jessica and I were out hiking. When you come to a river... 
what's the advantage of drinking water out of a river? It's moving, right? When you, you know, moving water is cleaner. Um, and so you can dip out of it, and it's not quite as easy to find dirty water in a river. It's a little cleaner than, like, water that's sitting still. And so living water, part of what it con- con- the connotation is, water either fresh from a spring or from a river or something that was clean because it was moving. And so it was good water. So Jesus says, listen, you would ask me for something better. The other thing he's doing is he's referencing back. Now watch this. Um, He's referencing back. Let me see, make sure. Hold on, let me get where I'm at before I do this. Um, the metaphorical connotation, like if you have uh, Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, we have a verse. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to, come to the waters. Um, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, why do you labor for that which will not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. What Isaiah is talking about here is he's saying, like the prophet is saying, come to me and I will give you water that will make you no longer thirsty. And Jesus is building this metaphor up, right? He's starting to throw out these ideas. He says, if you knew the scriptures, and Isaiah is not one of the first five books of the Bible, so she's never read it and doesn't believe it has any weight, right? And he says, listen. Living water, that's what I have to offer. And he's referring back to this. Any Jewish person would have picked that out. They would have said, oh, he's talking about the scriptures. Living water? Oh, what about this? What about when Isaiah 44 says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and the streams on the dry, and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit upon your um, offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up from the grass like willows of flowing, by flowing streams, um, he goes on, but what he's talking about here, he's saying, listen, you guys are dried out. You are without. You are empty. Isaiah is talking about the people, like God's people, who reach this point that they're just empty. And they're dying for something better. Um, and, and that living water phrase had become common amongst the Jews where they would refer to living water as either like God's blessing or God's pouring out on his people. Um, the metaphor draws out from there, though, because this is a gal, and we're about to find this out, who had tried to find sort of spiritual life and joy by chasing after things, right? Um, she had tried to find, like, like, meaning in life by being connected to people. You know, she's got multiple husbands and all kinds of other things because she thought this is where it's at, right? This is where, where meaning comes from. Um, and we see it, actually, you guys are surrounded by folks like this. Some of you are folks like this, where happiness in life is not about being connected to Christ, is what Jesus is about to toss out here, right? Um, Happiness in life is about what I have, what I do, how I look, um, who loves me, who will, um, you know, who will be my friends, who treats me this way, how, I mean, it's all of these external trappings that become happiness, Um, possessions, um, experiences. These things are happiness. And that's the way this woman is living. And then Jesus offers to her, he says, listen, if you had any idea, you would ask me for living water. Like you are dried up inside, lady, and I would fill you up and make you better. I would fix all of it. Um, his offer is huge. It's life-changing. It's, it's something that, that no one in their right mind would ignore. <laughs> Um, but she has no idea what she's talking about because he's almost speaking another language. Um, the woman said to him, sir, we have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. It's a hundred feet deep. He looked, she looks at him and is like, 
you've obviously been out in the heat too long, mister. <laughs> you got nothing to get water out of a, out of the well with. You got nothing. You know, what are you going to do? The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Now, there's a bit of irony here. Jacob dug a well to get water, right, to bring life to the world around him. Jesus shows up, and he is the source of this life, right? He says, are you greater than Jacob? And the answer is actually, well, yeah. (laughs) She has no idea. And John is kind of upplaying, you know, like her, her ignorance here. But... Now, watch this. It's easy to look and say, oh, well, she's an uneducated woman. She had no idea what Jesus was talking about. She doesn't even know that she needs Jesus. She's so sinful and awful. Who did Jesus talk to a few, like a chapter ago? One of the teachers, right? Like one of the great, like, religious men, holy and pure, like top of the, top of the religious ladder in his country, top of his field. People envied him. And that guy encounters Jesus, and he had no more sense than this woman did. Um, Part of what John is playing out here is doesn't matter how smart you are and how awesome you are and how good you are or how, you know, how you've managed to avoid breaking the rules along the way, you still need Jesus. And a lot of times people don't know that they even need him. Like they don't even know that they have this need. Um, And kind of the crazy thing is Nicodemus doesn't really figure it out. By the end of the conversation, he has no idea that he has just sat in the same room with God, the God that he has spent his whole life studying, and he doesn't know him. Do you imagine that? I, I was looking at a, at a, the internet is such a great way to waste time. I was looking at a, at a list of, um, you know, these, these times people met famous people and messed it up. And, and one of them was a woman who met, like, I think it was uh, Mark Wahlberg. And, and called him by a different star's name and had pictures taken with him saying, oh, it's, you know, this guy. And she just messed it up. I mean, like, completely, you know, and you, you look at it and you go, well, you're dumb. How could you not know that, right? But this guy is with God, having devoted his entire life, does not know it's God. No idea. Doesn't understand a word that comes out of God's mouth because um, he's lost. He doesn't even know he's lost. It's even worse when you don't know you're lost, like my first day hiking with Jess, we had no idea we were lost. We were already lost and we didn't know it. And it just got worse. So are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as, is, as did his sons and his livestock. So she tosses this out there. She's kind of making fun of him. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water, I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Um, Jesus is referring here, um, he's referring here to like, um, all right, so we have, we have this water thing, right? We, we have where the promises in the Old Testament talk about water in a dry land. Um, we have where, where, um, you know, he's speaking about this water, and what he's referring to is um, probably two things. First off, eternal life, right? Um, you and I were not designed to die. Not in our design, not the way we were made. We were made to last forever. We're like the Toyota of this world. And instead, like we've developed into the Dodge of this world, where we just break down constantly, right? Nothing. Is everybody asleep? I... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so he says, listen, if you'd ask me, I would give you this, and it would become a well of water, like, 
flowing out of you. It would bubble up. It would be constant. This is eternal life. It's also a reference to the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus is out there handing out the Holy Spirit. He's giving out real life, real word that comes from the Spirit, like become something new. Step away from this, like, lostness, and, and I'll fill you up with this. I will make it better. You will never be thirsty again. By the way, this is not a thirst that comes from removing a desire, right? Um, I, I, uh, I, uh, I've spent a lot of time doing counseling with um, alcoholics and drug addicts and stuff, and one of the coolest things I've encountered is when somebody who's a recovering alcoholic will say, it's not that I don't want it anymore. Like, it's not that I don't have that emptiness in me anymore. I'm just full. Like, the, you know, re- recovery, like finding God and becoming new and, like, being changed did not make me not want meaning. It didn't make me not want to be full. It just kept me full. And so, like, this isn't about not wanting something more. Anytime you chase after something that isn't God and worship it, right, Anytime you, you chase after sex or money or a new car or anything, anything at all, the perfect family vacation, um, all of this stuff, anytime you chase after that stuff, it's just you trying to fill that need for God. That's all it is. Um, anybody done that, by the way? Anybody currently doing it? Um, and I got my hand up because I do it all the time. What he's doing is he's not saying, hey, we're going to take away that desire to have be full. He's saying, I'm going to fill you with something better. You're going to be full of, like, like life. You're going to be full of, like, like, the Holy Spirit. God is going to be literally living inside of you. You will be in a different place entirely. This dry ground, it'll be quenched. Um, and not just quenched. It always strikes me around here when you get like a quick rain on a really dry stretch, you know what I'm talking about? And it'll rain and you'll come out like half an hour later and the ground's dry. Where'd all that water go? It drank it up fast because it was thirsty. But this is water that will keep coming and it will, you know, there'll be no end to the, the like satisfying life that comes with it. Um, it's, what Jesus, it's what Jesus is offering. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come and draw water. She's not really asking for this. She might be hopeful, right? But more likely than not, she's like, all right, you've been in the sun too long, and she's starting to kind of make fun of him, and you have no idea what you're talking about, you you know, insane person. Um, she blows him off because she doesn't really want to connect with him. She's not all that interested. Um, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. Um, And so Jesus, like, instead of trying to break in through this theological level, trying to engage her on this theological level, like trying to get her to understand in her head, he steps in and he kind of catches her where she's at, right? Um, Having had five husbands, she's either been divorced five times or she's been widowed multiple times or a combination thereof. In Jewish circles, if you were married more than three times, they would generally say it was time to quit. Okay? So five is a lot. Um, five is a lot more than it should be, right? Like there, and it, it's likely the case that, you know, she's just been divorced multiple times and, you know, and, and, and in that culture, very looked down on. And like cohabitating, living with somebody you're not married to, big deal in that culture not acceptable like like 
you know, you just didn't do it. And so this is a woman who's coming in the middle of the day for her water because nobody wants to be near her because they, you know, she's kind of trashy. They think she's trashy. I'm not saying she's trashy. They look at her and say, oh, well, you're, you know, you're trashy. I mean, you've slept with half the men in town. What are you doing? You know, and nobody wants to be around her. And so Jesus tosses this out. Does he toss it out because he's trying to, like, hurt her? No. I think he's tossing it out because he knows where her need is. He knows what she's chasing after trying to quench her soul. And in this woman's case, she's chasing after men. If I find the right man, I'll be happy. Right? If I find the right man, I'll be happy. And so she's chasing after men and, oh, just, you know, quench the ground of my heart. Make me not thirsty anymore. Make me happy. Come on, do this, do this, do this. And she's humiliated herself publicly in the process of chasing after um, a man to make her life worth living. And so Jesus calls her out, and the woman says to him, I, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Um, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So now watch this. This is kind of funny. Um, translations are really awkward here. What she says is not a prophet. She says the prophet. Okay, she says, I see you are the prophet. Um, and for Samaritans, because Samaritans didn't believe anything came after the fifth book of the Bible, right? Um, it means that all of the prophets that came after weren't prophets. They didn't believe that. What they believed was there would be another Moses who would show up. One more prophet. People did not like have this gift from God to speak and know things and all this other stuff. Did not exist. They believed one prophet would come a second Moses who would be their Messiah, their deliverer. But he wasn't really going to be a deliverer quite the same way that like the Jewish deliverer was going to be. He was going to show up and he was going to explain everything. And so she kind of is making fun of him a little bit, but she's also kind of asking like, hey, can you just explain this to me? Um, and she's also changing the subject. Anybody ever do that when somebody asks you an uncomfortable question and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, those are nice shoes. Where'd you get those? Hey, can you believe the weather we've been having? No, it's always cold in Montana. Um, she tries to change the subject. She says, listen, you know, our fathers, if you're the prophet, answer this question for me. Our fathers worship here. The mountain they worshiped on is where the Ten Commandments were given. The northern kingdom had a problem when they split from the southern kingdom because the temple was in the southern kingdom. So to continue worshiping, they would have to go to the temple. And they were like, not doing that. You guys are jerks. We're going to go somewhere else. And so they said, well, we're going to build our own temple over here on the mountain. And so they would do all their sacrifices on the mountain where the Ten Commandments showed up. You know, where Moses got his Ten Commandments and brought them down. There isn't even a temple there anymore because about 300 years beforehand, a Jewish king sent an army in and they burned it down because the Jews really didn't like the Samaritans. Um, and so she said, well, where are we supposed to worship? Can you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be like you or can I be like us? Or what, what do you expect out of us? Um, and she's still kind of edgy because, watch this, um, my experience is people who try to fill the hole in their chest with things that will not fill that hole in their chest can become unpleasant because they just hurt. Does that make sense? She is prickly, and she is being prickly. Um, she's asking an intellectual question to get away from her own like dry spot. You know, oh, well, let's have this. Come on, what am I supposed to do? Do I worship here or there? Come on, answer that for me, big jerk. I see you're the prophet. Um, and Jesus responds. Um, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. 
The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So he says, listen, the day is coming. This location business, it's over, right? You're not going to go here or there or chase after anything to worship God. Like, that is not going to be how you do it. And the moment is coming. What is that moment? Well, that moment, like if we read John, um, John, everything in John is pointing to the cross, He's saying, listen, there's going to be a day I'm going to be raised up. They're going to crucify me. And like my death, I'm going to take punishment for your sins. And you're going to worship because I'm with you. I'm going to be the center of worship. I am the temple, folks. I'm here. This is worship. Not that, not that, this. Um, He goes on. He says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. He says, listen, you guys, you're not in the stream of revelation. You've given up all of the prophets. I have actually tossed out. It's one of the most direct, like, hey, living water, hey, this, hey, that. Jesus is like, you know, any Jew would have known exactly what he was talking about, right? But she's, she has no idea who God is because they are ignoring most of the scriptures. They're ignoring his prophets. They're ignoring all of this stuff. And so she has no idea, which is what he said. You, know, you have no idea what, what I'm offering. And he says, listen. You worship and you don't know what you're worshiping. The Jews worship and they know what they're worshiping, but they're still doing it wrong. How do we know? Because Nicodemus had no idea what was going on, right? You know, I mean, John is, John is a brilliant writer and he's kind of given it to us here. I know I'm a little long, but it's, there's a lot to this and I think it's a lot that's not always like dug out. Does that make sense? Worth digging out. Um, so he says, listen, salvation is from the Jews, meaning that like, like, the stream of God's revelation is revealing himself to the world is coming through the Jewish people. Not that the Jewish people were bringing salvation. They were supposed to bring it. They were supposed to go out and teach and everything else, but they wouldn't do it. Um, all over the Old Testament, we're not off subject right now. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and and truth. And so he tosses out these two things, spirit and truth. God is looking for folks to worship him who will do it in spirit and truth. Um, what's he talking about? Um, spirit is referring to like, like this full supernatural like component. Okay. Worshiping God is not about giving money to your neighbor. Like if they're hungry, right? Or food to your neighbor if they're hungry. Worshiping God is not about um, like the actions of obeying the law. It's not about a- avoiding sinful people so that they will, you know, not make you unclean, right? It's not about, you know, wearing a suit and tie on Sunday morning. We had a whole conversation about this earlier, and I'm, I'm not tossing it out there to defend myself on that topic. Um, <laughs> we, it's not about those things. Worshiping God is about coming into his presence, like spiritually, recognizing that Jesus died for my sins, recognizing that I by myself am empty without Christ. And that when Christ sets up shop in me, I am full and complete and like a parched land under rain, right? It is those moments that we are like 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 spiritual like in spirit refers to being connected and worshiping from that place. And in truth is a reference to Christ, honestly, Jesus himself. So like he's saying, listen, you're going to worship from a spiritual place, not about your location, and you're going to worship me because I am the way, the truth and the light. I am br- our life. Um, I am bringing. I am bringing truth. I am the spoken word of God. I am the source of living water. If you're going to worship Him, I am it. And so God is looking for folks who will worship the Father through 
like their heart and their soul and all of these things inside us. And secondly, folks will worship him um, through Christ. Um, because only in Christ can we find the Father. Um, and only in Christ can we quench our souls. Like everything we chase after, everything is a fool's errand. Every bit of it. We'll never find joy. You will never find happiness. You will never find completion. You will never find meaning. You will never, ever, ever find anything worth having except through Christ. Um, I go on. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is, he was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things, meaning he will explain it because that's what she expects. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Meaning like, so you're expecting this Messiah, and I'm telling you, it's me. Um, Jesus outright tells her because she kind of knows she needs it, right? And he gives her water. He says, listen, I am it. I'm it. This is, by the way, one of the few times that Jesus very directly says, I'm the Messiah. Um, and he does it for, like, a woman who's kind of trampy, right? And sort of an outcast in her community and uneducated. And a woman, honestly, in that culture, to be a woman. Like, and a Samaritan, so she's a half-breed. And, like, all of these other things. Like, like and the one, one that Jesus comes and reveals himself to isn't the leader of Israel. It's the Samaritan woman. Um, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. <laughs> but no one said, what did you seek? Or what do you seek? Or why were you talking with her? So the woman left her jar. She didn't even get her water. Um, she went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So like she runs back into town and she says, hey, guys. Please, 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 please come talk to this guy. He knows stuff. Like, he's special. He, he is different. Like, could he be this Messiah person? Let's go see. Come on. Um, by the way, you know what's funny about this? This is a woman who would not go around other people. She went out in the heat of the day to get water, and she didn't even bother getting her water. Instead, she ran into the crowds and begged folks to come and meet Jesus. Um, why is that important? Because... Again, like we have a parallel here. Religious leader meets Jesus in the dark where no one will see. This woman meets him in the middle of the day where no one will see. But then she drags folks in. Come see him. Come be a part of this. Come, like, actually meet the Messiah like he's here. And honestly, I'm going to argue, like, this is a sign of a woman who suddenly had rain for the first time in months. Ever do, I, I know there are farmers who've had that where you sit out there and you watch the ground dry up and you watch the plants start turning brown and all of a sudden water starts falling out of the sky and it's kind of this, this moment. I read it on Facebook. It's raining! You know, like, oh my gosh, it's raining! And I, I realized complaining about rain was a bad thing when I first showed up here. Oh man, I wish you'd quit raining. Shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. We want rain. This is a woman who is dry ground looking for something more. And she's found it, and she's found it in such a way that she doesn't even care that folks look down on her. She doesn't even care that people condescend her, that she was ashamed to be in the presence of other people. She goes out and begs them to come back to Jesus. Like, come meet him. Um, why is that a big deal? Because, honestly, because it's, it's, it's a sign that something's different. It's a sign that she's found what she's been looking for. And she's so excited to have found what she's looking for, she wants people to come see it. She wants come people to come, like, she wants people to come and experience it. Um, 
and she's willing to put everything else away to get there. Um, well, what do we do with this? What we do with this is we recognize, first off, that we have need. Every one of us, highest, tallest on the, on the ladder, you know, woman sitting in the dirt at the bottom. Like, we all need Jesus. We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. Our meaning and hope in life comes from him and only him. He's what God has given us. God is seeking for us to worship through him. Everything else we chase after is going to leave you dry. Um, but Jesus offers it freely. And he offers it to the worst and to the best. If you are, like, walking out the door today and you walk away with one thing, walk away with this. Like, you can't be good enough. Like, God loves you, you know, because he loves you. He sent his son to die for you when you were the worst person you've ever been. Um, and in him you can find fulfillment. Um, as you go out this week, look at your life and say, what am I carrying around that is the center? What am I being filled with? What am I chasing after? What makes my life good? If it's not Jesus, like, ask yourself why. Or how's it going? Is it working? Am I jumping from thing to thing trying to fill up and not finding it? Am I begging for things to, to fill me up, people to love me enough to make me feel good? Am I ignoring what Christ has to offer? Let's uh, pray and let's... Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us today and help us, to, um, help us to be full of your spirit. Help us to be full of living water. Help us to be fountains of it, just sharing it with the folks that we encounter. That people would get a glimpse of who Jesus is, who your son is through us. Um, I pray that you pour your spirit and your, your, your word on these folks and on the people around us. Help them to recognize that, that Christ is a rain, um, is a fountain that can just, just make it right again. Help us to know you through that. In Christ's name, amen. You all have a good day.